It's The Principle with Pastor Mac, where we learn the heart of God through the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am your host, Pastor Mac. Join me as we dive into the passages of Scripture and find out how principles from God's Word give us the power to overcome the problems of life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me again this week. Episode 32 of It's the Principle with Pastor Mac. Uh, for me, it's Thursday night, Monday, Thursday of Holy Week. And uh, I, as we prepare for Easter this week, I hope you are getting ready to planning on going to church Sunday morning, whether it's a sunrise service or your uh, your standards or your regular service time. Uh, I hope you're preparing to go to church. If there is any day we should go to church, it is Easter Sunday. Um, and so I hope that that is your plans for this weekend. Uh, I'm not going to do an Easter a podcast or an Easter themed podcast. Not really. I am going to get to it, but I want to, I want to continue on in the, the gifts of the, uh, excuse me, the fruit of the spirit out of Galatians chapter five. Um, and I just want to, I, I want to dig into it a little bit and take, you know, go to the next part of it and, and let's see what we can learn and, and, and glean today as we, as we tear into this. And so I'm going to read just a little bit of it. I'm not going to read all of it, uh, but Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelings, or excuse me, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a mouthful. Long list, right? of the works of the flesh. Now I'm not going to go into each one of the works. Um, that that's not my intent, uh, tonight or even in this series on the fruit of the spirit. But I do want to look at part of verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are the works of the flesh. The word work there in the Greek, uh, is the word ergon, ergon, which we get ergonomics from. Ergonomics is the study of work. It is um, a field of study where they look at all things related to work. Uh, you probably, if you work an office job, you probably have um, a chair that has been described as ergonomically designed. Um, I'm sitting in one right now. And uh, so that's the word there. The works of the flesh are evident, which are. Now, the word work uh, is the word ergon. Now, it has a couple, two or three definitions, which are, um, uh, which are important. So the first definition is, is um, anything as far as employment. Um, it has to do a business employment where, where, you, where you work in order to get paid. Um, you're working for someone else. The second definition has to do with anything that is produced um, in an in industry or by hand or in the in the act of employment, that thing that you produce. 
The third is interesting. Um, it has to do with the idea of something that is that is produced, not necessarily under employment, but it's it's harder or it's it's uh, opposed to something which requires less work. Uh, I want to see if I can explain this, uh, try to describe that last one, because we'll get to it back in, in a minute. Um, the idea is, is I've got a, let me, let me, let me see if I can explain it this way. I've got a buddy of mine who has a woodworking shop in his garage <clears throat> and he will on occasion, he will on occasion, he will make a, an Adirondack chair or he will make, um, you know, some kind of, a a, a wood carving or, a put something together. Um, and, and when he does a chair, he'll take his time. He will, you know, he'll make sure it's good and smooth. He'll, he'll make sure it's the top quality. Uh, and if it takes him a day, if it takes him a week, he doesn't care. He's going to do it on his own schedule. That's a hobby. The third definition of that word is something a little more than that. It would be that if he were to have to produce the same chair, same quality, but instead of doing one a week, he has to do two a day. And maybe he's getting paid for it. And maybe it's something he's doing on his own. So he's not working for an employee or employer, excuse me. But it's not something that he's doing on at his own pace and in his own, you know, comfort level or whatever. It's something that's being pushed right it's not um it's not something that is just merely out of enjoyment and so those are the three definitions and and i want to look at those because it says the works of the flesh um and and for us to understand something we we've got to understand something see we we have to we have to understand as human beings for us to do those things which are contrary I talked about last week when I talked about the spirit. If we're in the under the spirit or if we're led by the spirit, we're no longer under the law. And, and, and I said last week, or I talked about this last week, that the law doesn't, um, uh, is that the law is not done away with. So we no longer have to, um, abide by it, but that the spirit of God puts the law in us so that it's something that then, is an inward motivation that works out of us. I talked about that last week and, and what that means. And so, uh, uh, and so this, I, this idea that this, the law is in us, it's not something above us or over us or any of those kind of things. Um, and so when I, I, you know, you look at that, the idea of we're not under the law <clears throat> yet at the same time, because of the spirit, we still fulfill the law and how we live holy, righteous living. And so because that's a part of our nature, that's a part of how God originally intended it, right? Way back in the Garden of Eden when he created man and created him perfect and man botched it, right? And man messed it up and all that kind of good stuff. Um, that we then began to do things contrary to the spirit and the law that God has put within us even if we're not saved, right? Paul talks about that, that there's a conscience within us. We have a conscience, and that's a law in and, in and of itself. And when we do the things that are contrary to that, which is the works of the flesh, right? 
adultery, fornication, idolatry, covetousness, and and all the uh, you know the bitterness and all the different things here, the works of the flesh. When we do those things, those things that are contrary to how God designed us, how God intended for us to live, when we do those things, those things are not freeing. They are not something that we do because it's just fun. Uh, you know, in fact, I, I remember when I was in college, when I went to Auburn, went to Auburn for two years, and uh was not a real good time for me. I, I thought I was a good student until I went to college and then realized I was woefully unprepared for university and university life. Um, no, it wasn't anything my parents or the high school or anything. It was just me, right? Um, but I remember my first roommate in college uh, liked to party, loved to party. And so he would have apartment uh, parties in our our little apartment uh, on a fairly regular basis. And uh, I, I remember I, I remember being at those parties, and, and I wasn't a partier. I wasn't a drinker. Um, I wasn't living right, but I, I didn't, like, go crazy and get drunk and all that kind of stuff. But I remember seeing the guys that did. Then I remember seeing them the next day with the bags under their eyes and – the pounding headache and didn't feel well and were unable to concentrate on the test and, and weren't able to really function because they were so hung over. They didn't know what to do. And I, I look at that and, and I used to think even when I wasn't living right, I used to think, man, that's just dumb. It's just dumb. Because it's taxing, that's the and, and that's the idea. The work here, this work, it, it, if even if it's something you that you you're not doing something for an employer that is driving you and being a boss, that this work that you do, even if it's something that you quote unquote enjoy, it's draining and it's taxing and it's it 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 pulls strength and vitality and energy and life from you. And so you look at these things and you see these people that live the, live these kind of lives in the world today that think they can live how they want to live and do what they want to do and they can do and you watch you just take a little time and you watch and you will see that it is draining it's taxing it is it is taking the life out of them and it's a work And we and we think we we think. I, in fact, I remember a story. A friend of mine that was had a son that was um, just couldn't quite get it right in in school as a young as a young man, preteen. Parents were always getting called in to the principal or to the teacher, and and they would they talk to him and they threaten him and they discipline him and they try to encourage him and all the different things and. And he, uh, you know, and he would try for a while, and then he'd mess up. And one time he got in trouble, and his mom looked at him and, and just said, I, you know, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why you just can't be good in school. Why can't you just get it right? And he said, I try to be good, 
but it's just so hard. And I, I think sometimes we have that view about life that it's just so hard to be good. And so we think, okay, well then I'll just do I'll just do what I want to do. The, the, the problem with that is, is that we think that we're going to satisfy the flesh and live how we want to live and do what we want to do. And if I, you know, if I'm the world's definition of good, so be it. If I'm not, that's fine. And we, we think that by doing that, that we're now free. I'm now free. I'm free to, I don't have to worry about the, the, the social construct of being good. I don't have to worry about the, the religious oppression of being good. I don't have to worry about trying to um, satisfy a, a parent or a, a, a spouse or a society. I can do what I want to do, be what I want to be, live how I want to live. And if I want to do any of those things, then so be it. And, but the, the problem is, here's the problem. <clears throat> Is that it's a work. And so even though you think it may be fun, there is pleasure in sin for a season, it costs you. It's taxing. It is it is something that will will drain you. Again, that third definition where it's it's something that you may uh, that idea of work there is something that could be done as a hobby, but because of because of the nature of how you have to do it, again, my buddy who could build a chair a week, but if he can, you know, and that's a hobby, but if he's got to build two a day, that's not a hobby anymore. That's work. And it may even be something he enjoys. He enjoys being in a wood shop. He enjoys working with his hands on the wood, but because of the because of what the uh, what he has to produce, it 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 exacts out of him. It pulls from him. It would pull life out of him. It would be tiring and tiresome, and it would it would take away from his vitality. And so, it's no longer a hobby. It's something that becomes burdensome and it's work. And that's what happens with the works of the flesh. Yeah, it may be fun at the very beginning, but it's going to exact out of you more than you can really pay. How does it, how is it that the old preachers used to say old time preacher sin's gonna keep you longer than you want to stay, or keep keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay, and and um, you know take you further than you want to go. That's it. Take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. And that's the idea. Is it work? Is it something that's draining and taxing and pulls from you and costs you life? It costs you strength. It costs you vitality. It costs. And that is because we get the idea that being good is just so hard. Well, it's only hard for a couple of reasons. One because when you live under the law that constantly tells you all the time what you shouldn't do, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, all it does is cause us to think on it. And then we're conflicted that I know I shouldn't do it, but that's what I want to do. I know I shouldn't go there, but I want to go there. I know I shouldn't do this with her, but I want to do that with her. I know I shouldn't 
do this against him, but I want to do that against him. Why? Because the law has focused or magnified the thing you shouldn't do. And in doing so, it puts that at the forefront of your mind. And that's all you want to do. Paul said, I had not known to covet, except for the law said, don't covet. And now that the law has told me not to do it, that's all I want to do. And so that's what the law does. So that's the first thing is by magnifying the things you shouldn't do, then it's, it focuses your mind on all the things that you shouldn't do. Now you're conflicted because it's the thing you want to do, but you shouldn't do it, right? And so now you've got this inner turmoil and you don't know which way to go and you don't know which way to do. And so that's the first thing that the law does. The second thing that the law does is, uh, and I think I mentioned this last week, is by maintaining this certain standard, you can never achieve it. And so it becomes a judge. And that is why, that is why the scripture tells us that the law serves for one purpose. I just talked about the two things that it does, but I didn't talk about the purpose of it. It serves one purpose, and that is to take us to Christ. So that when we come to Christ and the Spirit is in us, then we're able to live it, not because it's something out there we got to try to achieve. And I don't want to go back on last week's le- uh, podcast, but we're able to live it because of something within us. And then it becomes free. In fact, Galatians chapter five, verse one, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, we've we've got it. We've got to understand that that this life in Christ is not about a series of do's and don'ts. It's just a relationship with Christ, and in being in a relationship with Christ, the things that we should do and the things that we shouldn't do end up just growing naturally out of us. And I I know I sound like I'm repeating myself from the last couple of weeks, but child of God, we've got to get this. Because the enemy has so deceived us into thinking we've got to live this certain life. I've got to live this life to make Christ happy. Wrong. You live that certain life because Christ is happy with you. He does love you. And so it frees us instead of a performance-based, i got to do this so I can make him happy so that he'll stay close to me. We're able to do it because he is close to us, because he is happy with us, because he is satisfied with us, because he does love us, and, and because he is with us every step of the way, then that gives us the strength and the ability to live that life that we ought to live. And it's freeing. It is so freeing. It is so wonderful. And it's wonderful not because I'm doing the right things. And it's not wonderful because I'm crossing off or I'm checking off of the list A, B, C, and D. And I've done that, I've done that, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I've done that, I've done that, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. It is not freeing and it's not wonderful because of those things. It is freeing and wonderful because I am in a relationship with someone who loves me so much, was willing to die for me. That's how much he loves me. And if I can just love him in return, what that does is that love by the power of the spirit. Let me back up. That love becomes the motivating factor in which I live a life pleasing to him. And then the spirit gives me the power to live that life by his strength in me. In fact, I've 
I've talked about, I've preached a series on this, and I think I've mentioned it here on the podcast at one point in time. But in John chapter 8, Paul or Jesus talks about that if any man believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit, uh, which had not yet been given because Christ had not yet been glorified. The Spirit wasn't given because Christ wasn't glorified. And that's the same way in your life. When you make it your mission in life, I don't want to say mission. When you live your life out of a desire to please the one that you love in Jesus and a desire to to be in a better relationship with him because he loves you, the do's and the don'ts, I I, I don't want to sound too liberal here. I I don't, but we got the do's and the don'ts really don't matter. They do, but it's not about I got to focus on the do's and the don'ts. If I just fall in love with him, I just fall in love with him and choose to make Christ glorified in my life. Then the Holy Spirit comes along when Christ is glorified. The Holy Spirit comes along and then remember, because the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. He is the one called alongside. That's the Greek word paraclete for comforter. He's the one called alongside. When I choose it to make my life to glorify and magnify Jesus, he comes alongside and gives me the power and the ability to live that life, the life that I couldn't live on my own. And so when I make it my goal to just love him and be in relationship with him and magnify him and glorify him, then then he, then the Holy Spirit comes along and sets me free from not only the law of the past, the law that was set up, the 613 laws the Jews came up with to, uh, in the Torah. Not only it sets me free from obeying those, but it sets me free from the work, the exacting life draining work of the flesh that, that cost me. It's taxing on me. And how do we get free from both of those? Through the cross of Christ and, and through what he did for us on Good Friday, but more importantly, what he did for us on Resurrection Sunday. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little shorter tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up a little early. But just listen to me. If you don't know Christ, then you have not been set free from the curse and the weight and the bondage of the law. All the don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And for every one that you break, for every law that you break, you're just it, just the punishment, just the wrath of God just, just keeps heaping up on you. If you don't know Christ, you're not free from that. And if you don't know Christ, you are not free from the slave master, the, 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 the task master, the slave uh, uh, owner sin in your life, flesh over you. And, and in trying to do the works, excuse me, not trying to, in doing the works of the flesh, which you have no choice because you were a slave to sin. Doing the works of the flesh, it is draining you. It is pulling life from you. 
and you will never be free from the punishment of the law or the life-draining, taxing efforts of the works of the flesh until you surrender yourself to Christ and make him Lord of your life. So I just want to encourage you with that today. And child of God, if you do know Christ and he is Lord of your life, then you are free from the law. You're free from that punishment. And you're also free from the taxing work of the flesh. You no longer have to do those things. You are free to live a life of love with and in Christ and watch him through the fruit of the Spirit grow in you and change you from the inside out. And so we will start next week on the gifts, uh, not the gifts, excuse me, on the fruit of the Spirit, what that means, how they relate to each other and how they relate to you. And thank you so much for listening. And if you hear this before this coming Sunday, I hope you find a place to go and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love you, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.